Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, the European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. Today we're very happy to bring you a special podcast, part of our series on EU integration and enlargement, where I'm going to speak with two guests. First, I'll be talking with Ilyan Kuchk. He's a member of the European Parliament and vice president of the Alta Party. And then I'll be following by talking with Anela Lamesh, which is the executive director of the Bodies Djivkovic Foundation in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And we're going to be talking about the work done both by the European Union and Renew Europe with the countries in the Western Balkans that are in the process of joining the family of member states in the European Union. But also we're going to talk about the work that is being done locally. And that is, for example, the EU mentorship program from the Boris Divkovic Foundation. And after our conversation, I'll be back to introduce you to some of the events organized by ELF for this month. But now it's my privilege to bring you Ilian Kutch, and then after I'll be talking with Anila Lamesh. I'm here with Ilian Kutch. Ilian, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Hello, hello. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a privilege to have you here, and we're going to have a very important conversation relates to not only the work that it's been done, but also to have your direct knowledge because you've been very involved in this process. So we're going to start in June of 2003 in Thessaloniki. There was a very important moment where the European Union accepted the candidacy of several countries, Albania, Bosnia, Zgorovina, Croatia, the former Yugoslavian Republic of Macedonia, Serbia and Montenegro as potential future member states of the European Union. Tell us in your appreciation that very important moment when you look back in time, how, what, that's, what does that mean for us? What was, what was a unique situation for European project at that time? And uh, enlargement was going uh, much better comparing to, to these days. If you ask me uh, what we see these days after the Sonoloki Summit, uh, I, I, would, I would say uh, we have a tango. Uh, we go one... Uh, forward and then we come to, to backwards. Uh, but so Wanoiki Fast Summit uh, certainly was a crucial moment uh, stating the local support uh, for, for the Euro European perspective for the Western Balkan countries. And that summit helped a lot, uh, Bulgaria as well, together with Romania, uh, Croatia, uh, who, who joined the uh, European Union seven years ago. But the Wanoiki Summit was the, the, was, the, was the big push uh, toward the European integration. With dynamism, with uh, all the uh, you know emotional moment coming to all those countries, you have to remember that uh, year year later uh, we got the, the largest extension of European Union, uh, having ten more countries from the Soviet bloc. So obviously, the Soviet Summit was the breakthrough uh, when it comes to the unifying uh, the European uh, project, but I would say uh, the European continent as well. Indeed. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things that we can saw that came up from the, those meetings were, of course, the normal liberal values of respecting rule of law, respecting human and minority rights, market economy, 
international law, borders, peaceful resolution of conflicts. So at that moment, you were saying that there was that, um, there was that interest, there was that energy. But you were also saying that we move back in a couple of things. How do you make those th two things concile then? You're absolutely right. We, we, we move back uh, uh, when it comes to our our fundamental rights and, and values and our democratic uh, principles. We call because because we we became very very much reluctant on on what we have when uh, the the, the so-called uh, Central European states were in the Soviet bloc. They 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 wanted to to join the the European Union because of their values. But uh, after uh, after uh, after joining in you know, enjoying the, the life and enjoying the, the solidarity and appreciation uh, from the, from the uh, Western countries, uh, they, they, they tend to forget that uh, uh, peace is not granted forever and freedom and, and prosperity is not given uh, for, for our generation. We have to fight for, for every day. But there's a task for us as well, for European and especially liberal and Democrats uh, in European Parliament to, to work hard and to, to convene our citizens in the end of the European uh, project, which is uh, the, 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 best, the, best, the best way to, uh, to, to, to keep the project united uh, is to uh, granting the future generations with peace, prosperity and, and solidarity. Indeed. Then we jump to May of 2018, where there was a meeting in Sofia, where we, you are right now, the European Union and the Western Balkans country. And this summit where we had the SOFIA declaration, which I'm not going to go into here, but I'm going to put the links on the podcast description so that people can read and know about, uh, more about it. But there was a couple of things that are on the, that declaration that are really interesting and I would like your opinion on it. And that on, we moved from all this things that I mentioned before, but we expanded also to connectivity like transport, energy security, digital economy, climate, business, youth development, and that connects very nicely to a second conversation that we're going to have on the podcast, and then also security cooperation. So in your opinion, all those steps that we gave before and these steps that we are doing right now, is this too much? Is this asking too much for everyone to follow uh, all these procedures going on or do you think we're going in the right I think, direction? I think the two declarations are in a way connected. You, you, you will connect uh, the Zagreb one as well. Because uh, Western Balkans countries, uh, Western Balkan countries uh, are, are, are lacking behind when it comes to brain drain and uh, economic development. Uh, but they are working mainly about uh, um, because of the connectivity. The so, so the Soviet declaration was aiming to was aiming to connect, but not only uh, when it comes to energy and transport, but also connecting people, which is the main idea of the European Union. So we wanted to, as, as Bulgarians at that time, we wanted to encourage the, the region to work together, to, to solve the common challenges, to have a common future in European Union, to have a, a big perspective, the big picture, how they would uh, act if, we're, if they were part of the European Union on, on several issues which are challenging for, for, the, for the global world. And in a way, the Soviet declaration was successful with that, with that point, putting all, everybody together uh, around the table, talking to each other, trying to solve uh, the, 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 mutual, the mutual 
conflict and, and trying to find a mutual understanding how we can go forward. I remember at that time the big, the big uh, picture uh, between the, the Bulgarian authorities and, and the Prime Minister and, and Foreign Affairs Minister together with leadership of, uh, of Serbia and, and Kosovo, which is a, which is a, which is a unique situation uh, to, to put them together and, and, and trying to, to solve the problem. Of course we have the Belgrade-Pristina dialogue, uh, but this is something beyond the formalities. This is our uh, mutual understanding where we want to see European Union and how we should preserve the peace in the Western Balkans. And then you just mentioned, and we're going to go into now, in May 6th, of this year, 2020, we had the Zagreb uh, uh, meetings and the Zagreb declaration. And of course, in here, and understandably so, we're going through the COVID-19 pandemic. So a lot of the work was related to that, financial assistance, health and equipment, uh, regional cooperation, and particularly we start having to start thinking about socioeconomic recovery. So again, for you, this is the right steps to do, and that is to show solidarity, to look, show the way forward, to work together, even during the pandemic and getting ready for the, when we exit, well, a little bit, this crisis that we're going well, right we can now. find a couple of things in, in Zagreb Declaration as a, as a conclusion. Of course, solidarity is the key element of the European Union and it should go both ways. But I, I want to I wanna emphasize on the, on the bigger picture. In times when the European, uh, um, the world is is under the quarantine, uh, globally the world the world is closing, uh, the, uh, his his doors. Uh, the the European Union showed a uh, great solidarity and appreciation to, to Western Balkan countries, opening the borders and saying that we are we are united. We we see you one day as as part of European Union. That's why we're offering to you our help. 3.3 billion to the benefit of the Western Balkan countries to, 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 to fight the coronavirus and uh, uh, more will come with the uh, precise, pragmatic, uh, well-structured uh, uh, recovery package to, to Western Balkans, which will be part of uh, the future MFF. But beyond, beyond of, uh, beyond of uh, uh, financial support, uh, Western Balkan countries will, will be linked, closely linked to the flagship initiatives uh, of, of European uh, Union. And here I'm talking about the Green Deal, I'm talking about the, the, the digital transformation uh, which will come to the European uh, Union. Here I'm talking about the strategic communication. And of course, there is, a, there is a work to do for, for Western Balkan friends as well. Uh, sticking uh, together, finding the, the common way of dealing with the regional uh, issues, uh, having a good good neighborhood, uh, neighborhood neighbor, neighborly relations, uh, finding the way uh, to to to, uh, to to find a common goal and go beyond the, the the bilateral dispute issues rooted in the in the legacy of the past, uh, but also to survive to survive in a world who is becoming uh, more and more autocratic. More and more illiberal, uh, they have to they have to be keen on on preserving the the, the liberal and, and, and democratic principles of, of rule of law, fundamental rights, judicial freedom, uh, media freedom. So all the necessary aspects of uh, of being a viable viable state. Indeed, those are great points. 
Now, let me ask you about what happened during the COVID crisis and particularly when regarding to what can be seen as a competitor of the European Union, which is Republic of China. We're not going to go into much details, but there were some reactions in the, in the Western Balkans. I'm thinking about a couple of countries that looked at China for help and then accused the European Union of not being helpful. Do you think that this was just a reaction to this crisis that it's so uh, heavy and it's so impactful? And then now things are getting a little more going into the, like, for example, the Zagreb and the Sofia Declaration? Oh, I, I think uh, the interest of uh, Western Balkan countries is, is to be in European Union. But that's, that, that's for sure. It was stated mm -hmm. by, by the political leadership of, of all the Western Balkan six. Uh, they belong mm -hmm. uh, historically and geographically uh, to, Europe, to Europe. And uh, I want to see them one day part of European Union. Uh, here I talk uh, politically. That's why we are insisting so much and so heavily as a new group in the European Parliament uh, to take them on board and uh, to make them part of uh, the process of, uh, of, of the new way of dealing with European uh, citizenship. And here I'm talking about the future conference for European Union, because if we see them as part of the European Union and the conference will be about will be will be about European Union. They should take part of uh, of the process, saying their word, uh, having a good understanding or challenging the process. So this is all about what will come in the future, and uh, the German presidency will kick uh, the process. But when it comes to foreign uh, influence, I'm deeply worried. I'm deeply worried. I'm not talking about only. China, also other actors uh, are, are very, very heavily involved in uh, you know, Western Balkans. But uh, I can tell you why, in my opinion, because for certain period, European Union was lacking, uh, his was, was absent uh, from the region. Or uh, another explanation, which is also true in my opinion, we come, we, we, we give money, we give grants, uh, we will facilitate the process, but then we don't know how to communicate. Uh, others are just mm. much better in communicating uh, what they are doing. They are doing less, but they are communicating much more heavily comparing to the European uh, Union. So that's why we have to change our strategy on how to communicate the role of European Union in the Western Balkans. And we have to, we have to, we have to, uh, to speak in one voice. Uh, when it comes to China, for example, I remember in 2008, uh, in European Parliament, uh, sorry, 18 in European Parliament, we wanted to have a uh, broader support among the uh, countries in, in European Council on China and how China is violating the human rights uh, in, 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 in Beijing and in, in all, in all around uh, uh, Beijing, uh, all the way in China. Uh, but because of the unanimity rule, some of the countries, it's not difficult to, to, find, to find them or, or to name them, uh, were not in agreement uh, with that position. So uh, if you want to go forward, we have to get rid of this uh, unanimity rule because it's uh, uh, blocking the, the whole process, the democratic process, which is the cornerstone of the European Union. Yes, this is a fascinating conversation, Ilium, what you just mentioned from the need to communicate, to better communicate 
And I, I would dare to say that it's more than just with our uh, brothers and sisters in the Western Balkans. It's something that we have to do more generally in exactly, the Exactly, to our citizens, exactly. You made, a, you made a very valid point. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you back on the podcast and we can talk about that in the near future. But now, staying with this topic, you are also the Renew Europe Vice Coordinator of Foreign Affairs Committee. So please uh, tell us a little more about the work that is being done with Renew Europe with the Western Balkans. In the beginning of this term, we had difficulties uh, in our understanding of where we want to go as European Union and how we see uh, the, 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 the countries from the region. The reason was, was, uh, was, was mainly uh, one, uh, where a methodology uh, uh, which is related to, to, to how the country should go uh, through the process. But indeed, uh, after the several discussions is our, in our group, we realized that the methodology is, is not functioning. Uh, they are, for example, uh, Serbia and Montenegro, they are going through the whole process, but in the end of the day, the countries are becoming more and more uh, illiberal, more and more uh, undemocratic, uh, in a way. Uh, but uh, uh, this is not in the interest of European Union, in my opinion, is not in the interest of uh, the citizens of, uh, of, of the countries who are in the process of uh, negotiation. And that's why we initiated the, the new process of rethinking and renewing the, the methodology. We wanted to make it, we wanted to make it more transparent, uh, more focus-oriented. We wanted to see not an endless process of negotiation, but very fact-oriented process where we'll know in the end of the day uh, where we want to see the, the Western Balkan countries. Uh, and we want to make uh, as well more transparent. And we initiated several discussions, we invited the experts, but also our uh, mother parties and, uh, and their respective members uh, to Brussels. Not to give them lessons how we want to see their, their, their future, but to ask them how they see the European Union, because being part of the European Union, we also uh, miss some of the important parts of the democratic process uh, in, 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 our, uh, in our Union. So it was a, was a good point to, to invite them. Among them was uh, uh, very uh, knowledgeable and skillful people coming from, from uh, Boris Jivkovic Foundation, for example, from, from Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, where they had a chance to put their input, and I'm very grateful that uh, they, they, they contributed to the process. And, and, and the, 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 the second point was to align our policy, because we, have, we, we as liberals are very good in, in bright ideas. Huh? You are nice people, you have freedom, uh, we are very good in, in party as well, uh, but that's not enough. Uh, all the ideas should come together and uh, we wanted to align ourselves with uh, our liberal foundation uh, as well, with European Liberal Forum. So, uh, in the end of the day, we had a big package, big package, uh, and uh, with uh, all the ideas, uh, we contributed to the, to the new methodology, we invited the Commission, we invited the ambassadors uh, of the Western Balkan countries. In the end of the day, the uh, result, I think, was... Uh, uh, welcomed by, by everybody because we had an inclusive process where everybody participated 
and had a chance to, to put the input. And now we have a new approach for the EU membership perspective for the countries in Western Balkans, which is uh, done by Renew. And I'm happily, uh, I'm happily uh, uh, promoting this uh, everywhere in the region. Yes, doing wonderful work and uh, we'll be talking more about that uh, after our conversation. But now I'd like to ask you then to give us a little more detail about this EU mentorship programs. I read the information. I'm going to put the link on the description of the podcast. And one sentence that it really came to me and it, it following the conversation that we're having now, it, which is the storytelling and messaging from the UA partners and that is integrated then in this mentorship program. So tell us a little more about your uh, ideas about this program. Well, the basic idea was to bring people uh, to the European project, uh, to give them a chance to learn about European institutions, to give them a chance to practice uh, in European Parliament. And uh, as one of them coming from the region, I wanted to, uh, to take a lead in the process. Uh, not only to, to be critical or uh, to name and shame uh, what is wrong or uh, to give an advertisement uh, on what is good, but to give a, a personal uh, engagement and uh, to guide people uh, in the process of, of, of becoming a better politician, if you want, uh, which, is, which mm -hmm. is important because we're not going to change. Uh, listen. Uh, I, I can be, I can be uh, frank with you. Uh, we're not going to sure. change. We're not going to change European Union, uh, but also we're not going to change uh, Western Balkans if we don't. If we don't have uh, uh, people who have the courage, who have the knowledge, uh, who have the ambition to, to make a change. Sitting in the chair uh, is not going to bring uh, a change to our societies. And I deeply believe that uh, we need a young, professional, well-educated people with heart and soul uh, who are very much engaged uh, with the uh, European project. And I see great potential in uh, younger generation uh, and I see a great potential uh, to them to change the Western Balkan countries, of course, for better. And I would like to thank you for all the work you've been doing. You've been very important in this very a uh, crucial moment and uh, the, the path forward. So as we're getting close to the end of our conversation, I'm going to thank you so much for talking to me, but leave us a final message. What does the future bring? What would you want to see things happening? Of course, now let's get rid of the, of the virus, but after that, start then uh, cre creating a, a bigger and stronger Europe. I see this uh, virus crisis as a big opportunity. Uh, for European Union, I want to see change because I believe in change. Uh, I want to change. I want to see change in uh, uh, our citizenship. I want to see change in our economy. We need more greener. We need more uh, cohesion, co coherent, and a more progressive uh, economy. But also, I want to see change in our understanding of each other, how we see the Western Balkans. And I, certainly, I see them as part of the European Union. Will not come soon. The good outcome will not come soon. Uh, we need a process. We need a good understanding. We need a people who are willing to, to contribute their time and their knowledge uh, for the sake of uh, Western Balkans.
and uh, again and again i see many of them and uh, thank you for organizing such a podcast thank uh, thanks to to liberal uh european liberal forum but also thanks to boris jevkovic uh, foundation now we are the uh, the ones that are thankful for your time for your work for your dedication i'm going to thank you so much for coming to the podcast i hope to have you back soon thank you so much thank you for having me here with Anella Lemesh. Anella, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you very much, Ricardo, for inviting me. Oh, it's great to have you here. And I introduced you in the beginning of the podcast, but I want you to go a little more into your background. What made you go through this process of now working with the foundation and working with the EU mentorship program? Was something in, in your life that made you click in that direction? Yes, of course. Um, as for my background, I have finished political science for as my undergraduate studies and then started to work uh, at university for more than 10 years, which is formal kind of educational system. And then I realized that I need more relaxed approach towards the, the, the introducing some some uh, difference in the society and in Bosnia-Herzegovina, where I am coming from. Then I have enrolled the master's studies in management and organization, finished the Adige School of Management from from, uh, California, and then I decided to apply for for position of executive director of Boris Divkovic Foundation and started working in non-formal and non-governmental organization. And now it is almost four years that I'm running the the foundation, and I really enjoy working in this kind of work and job. And let's talk about that. Tell us a little bit about the foundation, the work you guys do, the importance of, at this particular moment, having the kind of programs you guys have. Of course. As you have mentioned, I'm running Boris Egovic Foundation, uh, which is the foundation coming from Bosnia and Herzegovina, and I'm leading several national, regional and neo projects. Our project mostly aim in strengthening the capacity of political parties' representatives and especially strengthening their political responsibility and approach towards their political work. What we are all witnesses that throughout the years we see less and less responsibility in the political work. So uh, at BDF, what we mostly focus our project activities is the work with youth and women politicians where we try to develop, develop uh, and keep the sense of responsibility deeply inside uh, of, uh, of our participants so that hopefully one day we can see different political results and actions uh, that will bring back the faith and moral in the politics again. Uh, it is in our power to advocate for these changes and shape generations of new leaders uh, coming from Western Balkan, but also uh, within the European Union. The projects that we are org- organizing on, on regional level are mostly devoted to strengthening the capacity of youth. Uh, and we are running several programs for years now also with uh, with the women, for example, very successful project that we are running uh, on, on national level is also initiative 50% where we are trying to achieve that magical goal of having elected 50% of women in, in Bosnia and Herzegovina, the, the, the decision-making positions. Yes, you, you stole a, a, a point that I wanted to talk to you and that is the work that uh, the foundation is doing with youth and women and you already mentioned the 50% mm-hmm. project. Uh, This is, of course, absolutely uh, necessary and laudable. How do you feel this getting traction then? It's 
very hard. It's easier than you thought. It's, as you mentioned, it's getting good results already. Tell us a little bit about not only the projects, but also the philosophy behind it. Of course, uh, when it comes to the youth project that we are uh, trying to, to and that we are implementing, um, the results are already visible in some of the countries. But in some countries, of course, we need to work more in order to, to get them to be in the position to, to, uh, to be elected and to be on decision-making uh, uh, positions within their, their political parties or in, in society in general. But when it comes to the women, uh, I'm sure that you are well aware that uh, women coming from Western Balkan are very strong. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, <laughs> So we are uh, we are proud that in Bosnia and Herzegovina, in some progressive political parties, we already achieved the the the, the aim and having uh, around fifty percent of women elected after after the elections that we had here in Bosnia and Herzegovina. But of course, not in general. In society in general, we still have more work to be done in order to achieve this this magical number of fifty percent that we are talking about. The Boris Divkovic Foundation also does something that it's really uh, smart and very uh, commendable, and that is you look for uh, partners inside the European Union. Do you want to go a little bit into that, also how that then shapes the projects in your home country? Yeah. Beside the project that I have mentioned, that we are working with youth and women, and uh, through our uh, through our project activities that we are uh, conducting, and thanks to the international connections that we have in Europe and broader, we have uh, found out that there is a lack of provided support for Western Balkan politicians uh, from the EU side uh, who can pr provide first-hand experience on the topic uh, of the EU integration to Western Balkan politicians. And this is essential, of course, for achieving this goal for us. Then we decided to start the project called EU Mentorship. More about mm -hmm. the program and the participants uh, can be found at the link uh, which will be available after this podcast session. The project has been organized in cooperation with Edi Stichtung from Netherlands and European Liberal for, uh, Forum. And through the project activities, we wanted to open a two-way street communications where information, opinions and arguments can be exchanged between liberal politicians and officials of non-EU Western Balkan countries from one side and EU member states, officials and organizations on the other side. So far, we have successfully implemented one year of the program, but also running the second year of the program. Uh, we have developed several instruments and possibilities to directly communicate about the mentioned issues, and we hope that the success of the project will ensure that the Western Balkans have a louder and clear, clearer voice in the European institutions and also vice versa. This project so far showed that the role of civil society in the context of EU integration processes can sometimes be of crucial importance. Therefore, we want to use this potential and be the ones who will bring the EU closer to the Western Balkan countries and hopefully help them in the accession process. As the final product of the project, we have decided each year to create a document called Eternally Reverse Report, which is based uh, on countries' report issued by the European Commission, for the previous year for Western Balkan countries, offering reasons in support of the Western Balkan integration to the, to the EU and benefits for the EU if and when Western Balkan countries are accepted into, into the European Union. The first publication issued uh, within the project is called the Western Balkan, a chance for the EU, and is also available for further analysis uh, at the podcast uh, after this session. Mm. 
what I also wanted um, to mention here is the interest that we saw uh, through the project activities coming from Eastern European countries as well. So starting from this year, we will organize a pilot session in Eastern European countries with similar activities in strengthening the connections between the, uh, this part of Europe with EU officials and organizations. The interest for the project activities noted in these non-EU countries while discussing the development of project activities proves again that these kind of projects are very much needed and necessary in order to offer opportunity for the open dialogue about the political issues and better understanding between non-EU and EU countries. Indeed, and a great description from, uh, from you. And now uh, I'm going to challenge you to uh, think together about something that is really important. And I was just talking with our MEP Ilham Kuchk which is the storytelling and the messaging from uh, not only on the EU partners, and you already mentioned this has to be two-way street. So tell us a little about the importance of that particular aspect. Yes, of course. Um, what I uh, didn't mention in, in presenting the, the, the EU mentorship project is the part where we have uh, received many, many supporters and many, many partners that really want this idea to be successful. One of these supporters is, of course, Mr. Ilhan Kuchuk that you have just mentioned, uh, who is uh, who is also guest at this podcast. Uh, Mr. Ilhan Kuchuk is one of the MEPs uh, that really supports the idea and who really uh, used the project and the connections within the Western Balkan and, and within Europe as well to invite participants coming from, from, from this project to be active at many conferences that, that he or, or other partners from EU organized some renew events, some some EU, uh, some other EU conferences and public events. Um, this, for example, this uh, uh, this is very important for our participants because they will have a chance to do storytelling, as you have mentioned, coming from Western Balkan and to to talk more about. Western Balkan issues and opportunities, and also the the, the, the problems that we are facing on a daily daily basis, uh, politics and, and in the society in general. Awesome, and Anila, as we getting to the end of our conversation, please tell us more things that people. I can look for it. Yeah. Uh, having said all all this about the project, the, the, the last thing that maybe I, I will mention here during the Pasca session are the concrete steps and activities which are conducted behind the project activities per se, for example, in cooperation with many supporters of the Western Balkan accession process. One of these uh, uh, concrete steps is, of course, uh, support that we are constantly receiving from MEPs. Uh, I will mention again Mr. Ilhan Kuchuk, who invited many of our participants to the uh, international events organized, uh, especially organized in Brussels. Uh, then project organizers will were also invited to several uh, international conferences to present the publication, the Western Balkans, uh, the chance for the EU. Uh, the already mentioned interest expressed in Eastern Europe to develop similar project activities in these non-EU countries uh, shows again that the project uh, will be very successful. We need, we just need time, but the project will show uh, uh, its benefits. Uh, and last but not least, uh, due to the fact that COVID-19 changed the approach of many organizations' activities and switching them to the online space, what we have decided to introduce 
as some new activities uh, are the podcast and videocasts. Uh, we aim with these sessions to facilitate uh, the exchange of ideas and practices on EU accession process between the non-EU Western Balkan prominent political party representatives, but also uh, from the other side we will have EU officials and diplomats. So this will be a chance uh, with all these introduced activities uh, to shine a light on the developments and results in the Western Balkan in general, but also to talk about more to talk more about problems and uh, in in Western Balkan in general. I'm going to put all the uh, links on the description of the podcast, not only about the foundation but the mentorship program. For now, I'm going to thank you so much for coming to the podcast, and I hope to have you back soon so that you can tell us more about how things are going and uh, all the success that you've been having. So please come back at any time and let's talk more about not only the EU mentorship program, but you mentioned when and if, and I like to think when we all have our brothers and sisters from uh, the Western Balkans in the European Union. Hopefully. Thank you very much for, for having us as your guests at, at the podcast, Ricardo. I'm back just to remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you feel like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. We also have a new podcast, which is called Liberal Europe Podcast in Lockdown. And also to remind you that the European Liberal Forum is organizing every Wednesday a web seminar called Liberties in Lockdown. So please join us for that. And you can know more information on liberalforum.eu forward slash events. But in this month of May, we're going to start having some events on site. For example, on the 29th and the 30th of May in Strasbourg in France, we have the event eDemocracy, driving citizens advocacy through digital means. Digital tools allow for an unprecedented inclusion of citizens in all areas of public action. And this workshop aims to identify and access trends and good practices of e-participation across the European Union. This is an event that is organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Friedrich Naumann Foundation for Freedom and also LIMEC. And once again, to know more about this event, you just have to go to the webpage liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now, but I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast is organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any use that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. <laughs>